25 seconds left to play. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. I want winners. This crowd is alive. Play to win the game. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Knock him out, John. Wyatt gets the ball. It won't be long. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for touchdown by Matthew Butler. Speak to. They are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. I get out of hand. Just, just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Let's go scatter the west right tight. That's left. 372 Y sticks. He's The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football. Hey, it's Monday. <laughs> How y'all are? You ever been present there when something historical happened? Like, you know, you say, like, I was there the moment that dot, 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 fill in the blank. You ever been there, been present for a historical moment? I really don't know that I ever have. I'm having a hard time thinking about it anyway, coming up with it off the top of my head. It's like my mom always used to tell people about my sister. My sister was born on May the 18th, 1980. My mom would always say, yep, she was born the day that Mount St. Helens erupted. All right. So there's a, you know, a, a significant historical reference. But it's not like they were there when Mount St. Helens erupted. Have you ever been in the building at the place something historical happened? I'm going to get your answers coming up. Welcome into the show. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau. Local agents, competitive rates, fast and friendly service. They're the kind of people that you want to do business with. You get that. You have a one-on-one like friend relationship with your Farm Bureau agent. You get a cell phone. You know them personally. You guys text each other. You got a question. You just deal with somebody one-on-one who's an expert, and they're a local person. They probably grew up in the same town right there, which is why they're there. They know everybody. Everybody knows them. So that's what you get at Farm Bureau, and give them a chance if you haven't already. This show also stays connected to you because of C Spire, the number one network in Mississippi. Roger? Yesterday, uh, because of travel, we had to have two different cars uh, with our family. And uh, the day before, I I drove about, I guess on Saturday, about five hours from Montgomery, Alabama, Wetumpka, Alabama, straight across through Selma, Demopolis, and then Meridian, and right on into Vicksburg, about a five-hour drive from Montgomery to Vicksburg. And then yesterday, it was a drive home. And so I was the lead vehicle, and my wife driving her car right behind me. And we drove up the Natchez Trace Parkway all the way from, well, we went and got on the trace at Clinton, and we took the trace all the way home from Clinton to Tupelo. And the whole way, I had the phone in my car locked into the watch ESPN feed of the Mississippi State baseball game. Now, because I'm driving, I'm not able to watch it, but what I'm able to do is flip back and forth between the radio broadcast and the TV broadcast on my speakers in my car. 
And uh, that was pretty cool to be able to do it. And the whole way, I'm talking, like I might have had a couple of places where it dropped, but it came right back in. And a lot of carriers can't say that. Get on the trace and just keep a signal and stream video the whole way. I was able to do it, thanks to Seaspire, the number one network in Mississippi. Have you ever been present for a historical moment? Judy on the Divinity Equipment phone line, Divinity Equipment in Madison and in Jackson, your Kubota dealer. Judy says maybe that she was. Hey, Judy, what's up? Hi, Matt. I was at the Mississippi State football game when Dak Prescott threw a touchdown pass or more, more than one. Uh Nick Fitzgerald threw a touchdown pass, and I apologize immensely. I was I don't remember the third quarterback's name, but he also scored a touchdown. Yeah. That was all in the same game. That was Elijah Staley. Big tall left handed kid. I apologize, Elijah Staley. <laughs> I am so sorry. That's I okay. cannot remember your name. No problem at all. So you were there for, for all me three. that was historical. I was there for that one game <laughs> when they all three threw touchdown passes. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, Judy, like for me, I, I said, you know, I don't remember too many myself that was like this historical type of moment. I but I was there, obviously, in the broadcast booth when Dak and the team beat LSU that year, and Dak had that iconic touchdown run, you know, <laughs> yes, where he sir. stiff-armed the guy. We we see highlights of it. Everybody remembers the play. To me, that stands out. That moment just kind of stands out. And so for State fans, yeah, there's some history there. It had been a long time since State had won in Baton Rouge. It was a historical moment for that reason. So I was there for that, but, you know, even bigger. I I guess the reason I'm asking that question this morning, Judy, is because, you know, state fans, but not just Mississippi State fans, really any any college baseball fan who was in the ballpark on Saturday got to witness a historical moment. And, yes. you know, a record like Jake Mangum broke and is now adding on to his lead in terms of the all-time hits record uh in the sec for all we know it may never be broken it might but for all we know it may stand forever at least the rest of our lifetime so to be there and see it is pretty doggone significant isn't it that's true yeah i was also in the mississippi memorial stadium for the game for state beat alabama six to three back uh, in 1980 mm-hmm. you were there for that one i was there for that one you know, Judy, the the joke, the running joke on that is uh, over the years people have said, you know, the stadium only sat 60,000 people, but somehow they <laughs> somehow they figured out a way to cram 200,000 people in there because everybody says they were there. <laughs> well, know? my husband and I had just gotten married, and we got in for $2 because there was an Alabama fan walking around the stadium saying, I can't even give these tickets away. This thing's going to be so rotten. Oh, really? And I said, I'll take them. <laughs> yeah. So we were present. Yeah, well, you know, kind of prophetic coming from an Alabama fan because for them the game did wind up being rotten, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> for, I guess for them. Yeah. For them, that's right. But Ju- not for us. Yeah, that's right. Judy, hey, thanks for your call. I really do appreciate it. Have a great week, man. All right, you too. Thank you. Thank Bye-bye. you. Have you ever been present for a historical moment? Jake Mangum breaks the all-time hits record at Mississippi State. I'm sorry, 
in the SEC. He broke it at State, but it was the SEC all-time hits record by passing Eddie Furness, you know, got it done. When? Saturday? Yep, it was in the Saturday game. And um, it was just uh, really something to see. I was not able to be there. I'm watching it online. And, you know, I, I just think that it's one of those things where you 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 will remember where you were. You will remember where you were. You kind of will remember what you were doing. You may not ever see it happen again. Hey, is there a chance somebody in our lifetime could come along and break Jake's hits record in the SEC? Sure. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a chance. It's a slim chance, though. It's probably not going to happen, and it's most likely not going to happen in our lifetime. So when you sit there and you watch it, and I, I'm – yeah, some people said, boy, it was kind of, you know, the, the hit was not a line drive or in the gap or a home run or something like that. It was a, a pop-up, uh, a pop-up, a Texas leaguer that found a hole behind the first base. Yeah, but, I mean, name something more typical of Jake Mangum than to get a very non-typical base hit. You know the phrase, oh, he uses all parts of the field. Well, find me a better example of that. You couldn't walk out there and sit that baseball down just inside fair territory in a spot any better, any harder for all three defenders to get to it. Too far for the first baseman, but also too far for the right fielder and the second baseman. If it's one foot off either way, one of them catches it. (laughs) And it was a pitch that was not a strike. The pitch that Jake hit to break the record on Saturday was not a strike. It was down. It was in. About to hit him on the ankle. He kind of like gets down on one knee and keeps his hands pulled way inside and tries to get the barrel on it to hit it down the right field line and just popped it up a little bit, and then it falls. I mean, name a more seemingly non-typical but typical Jake Bingham kind of way to reach the base. He figures out ways to get on base somehow, some way. And it's just incredible. And now, you know, the focus for the team kind of shifts from his chase over to, for sure, what's this team doing? What is, you know, their potential? And and I think that's kind of the way Jake wants it. You get that behind you. But they're going to be talking about him uh, the rest of the way, being the new record holder. There's no telling what they'll do to, like, honor him during the SEC baseball tournament. They'll do something. Here we go. Divinity Equipment Phone. You want to call me? You can. 995-1059. That is a 601 number. Melton hanging on. What's up, Melton? Hey, good morning, Matt. Morning. Um, Famous moments that I was thinking about was I was with my cousin in 1999 at the Egg Bowl. For whatever reason, Ole Miss decides to throw the ball instead of running it. And the famous kick the ball up in the air, y'all run it down into field goal range. I think Scott Westerfield's the one that sealed the deal on that. That's right. Um, that night, I couldn't remember if it was him or Brian Hazelwood. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Was down on the field and actually got hit in the head with the goalpost. <laughs> <laughs> <Did you really? laughs> well, they were moving. But that was uh, that was uh, 
nobody's seen that coming, especially when that ball got kicked up in the air. And I can't remember the DB's name that night that grabbed it. Yeah. And uh, that was just uh, – I've never seen nothing like that again. <laughs> but that, that was a pretty good sports moment right there. Yeah, I appreciate you taking my call, man. Yeah, thank you, Melton. I think it was Robert – if I can – I'd have to go back and look. It's starting to get away from me, too. You know, I was on the team on the opposite sideline when it happened, and I'm pretty sure it was Robert Bean who made a play on the ball. It tipped up in the air off his foot, and then Eugene Clinton uh, from the Jackson area, Eugene picked it off, tiptoes down the sideline and stepped out of bounds just in time to give us time to go kick the, the you know the winning field goal, and Scott Westerfield – able to boot it through that was a heck of a moment mountain dog on the divinity equipment phone line what's up mountain dog what's up brother what's so up? um we've talked about baseball we've talked about football i was actually at uh humphrey coliseum in 1991 when mississippi state clinched the southeastern conference championship with a win over a shaquille o'neal led lsu team Oh, wow. And that was the first time that State had won an SEC championship in basketball since 1963. Yeah. You know, all those great teams. And it was that much sweeter to do it against Shaq. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, uh, buddy, it, that place was rocking. And let me tell you, when I was in school in, like, between 80 and 85 and Richard Williams had just started, uh, you could talk to somebody on the other side of the arena without uh, having to raise your voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's how few people were there. And so it was uh, It was so good to, to see the team get to that point in 1991. But yeah. anyway, just a great basketball memory, man. Well, good call. I appreciate that one. Yeah, and I can – I can uh, associate with those, Mountain Dog, because, you know, the years I was in, able to be in college there at State, really good teams. I was a freshman when they made the Final Four run, and so I was there when the party broke out on campus. It was like it was like a, um, you know, like a block party around the whole campus. Parades of cars driving through, playing music, people on the street, <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it, it was something else. Uh, on Twitter – you want to tweet me, you can anytime I'm Radio Wyatt. <clears throat> I'm going to tell you something I did with Twitter, though, that I suggest for everybody. And uh, I'm making a note here. I want to remember to tell you to be in hour number two regarding your notifications and how it pops up on your phone. I tried something. I did something a little different, and I suggest it. So I'll tell you what that is later in the show. Anyway, you want to tweet me, you can. Jeremy says that he was sitting in the monsoon in Missouri when Dak threw his 100th touchdown pass and it was the sixth place in sec history at the time and then he also brought up third and 57 versus florida uh back in the 2000 football season i believe it was steve spurrier had a rex grossman and jesse palmer led team in starkville and at one point they like get sacked and then the snap over his head it was third down and 57 and he just went ahead and punted on third down (laughs) just punted away State whipped uh, Florida pretty good there. And uh, my man, Dan, the coffee man, from High Point Roasters uh, Coffee in New Albany. Dan, the coffee man. And he sent me the video of it. History made it. The new dude, his granddaughter, got to sing Take Me Out to the Ball Game. 
Then he goes, oh, yeah, Jake broke the SEC hits record. <laughs> so on Saturday, think about that day for my man Dan Skinner from High Point Roasters in New Albany. Dan, the coffee man on Twitter. Think about that day. He goes, and in the same day, he sees Jake Mangum break the SEC all-time hits record and then watches his granddaughter get to sing Take Me Out of the Ball Game." They put her up on the video board. That's a pretty sweet deal right there, huh? You had yourself a day. No doubt about it. Let's go to Wes in Gluckstadt on the phone line. What's up, Wes? Hey, Matt. What's going on? How are you, man? A long time ago, I tried out for the JV uh, cheerleading squad in Mississippi State. I was a football player in high school, you know, and a friend of mine was the head cheerleader, talked me into doing it. Yeah. I made first runner up, and uh, and of course didn't make the squad. You know, one of my buddies who did make the squad actually quit just before the last Egg Bowl that was played in Memorial Stadium. Okay. Guess who got to sit in for him? So um, you did. So you got, got to, to be a cheerleader. That's right. At the last ball game, we played the Egg Bowl in Memorial Stadium, and just to bring it full circle here your previous caller was talking about the uh the shaquille o'neal ball game Mm -hmm. the jv squad was responsible for cheerleading at all of the women's basketball games and then occasionally they would invite us to come cheer at our big home games and stuff like that we very rarely got to travel you know with the basketball team yeah uh i was at that game cheering when we won against shaquille o'neal as well how about that very, very cool. How about that? That's cool. <laughs> you got called up at just the right time, Wes. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's good stuff. Have Appreciate a good one, man. You too, man. Appreciate the call. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. I got a text. I don't think it has a name on it. Got a text on the text line, 885-ESPN, 885-3776. It says, what's the chance he gets to 418 for the NCAA record? Well... Jake Mangum, if I counted this up right, Brett Hudson and I were discussing this as we recorded just a little while ago our Dogpile podcast. It'll be posted and available for you a little later today, the Dogpile podcast. But if we added it up right, Jake is sitting there at um, 355, which means he would need... What, 63 more hits? Yeah, I think it's it. He would need 63 hits to tie the national record. I think we were figuring that up. He, and if he played the maximum number of games right into the national championship series, he'd still have to average somewhere in the neighborhood of about two hits a ball game. So, I mean, it's possible. Some more texts, and I'll get to you from Oxford and Brooks and uh, folks in Kosciuszko and elsewhere. But Bart Gregory is on the phone, and we may have to finagle it a little bit. My man Bart was on the call for two of the three games this weekend. He's been in meetings this morning, obviously, on a Monday. That's what they do at college campuses is they have lots of meetings. He was in one just a bit ago. Bart is on the Divinity Equipment phone. Bart, I got like a minute left, but we can talk, and then if you can hang around, we'll keep on talking if you got time. Yeah, I, mean, I left my, my, my phone in my office and uh, went to another meeting. I apologize. I, ain't no yeah, I got back and had like three, I had three missed calls. So I apologize. <laughs> it's all right. What are y'all talking about? 
Oh, nothing. We were talking about – I kind of opened the show because of the Jake Mangum history. I said, have you ever been present when a historical moment happened? Have you ever been there? And we got lots of stuff. People who were at the 6-3 to game in, in Jackson against Alabama and somebody was there when State beat LSU for the SEC men's basketball title under Richard Williams and different things like that. I know you have some, and it doesn't have to necessarily be sports, but have you ever, like, been present in the building when something big-time historical happened? Yeah, I was standing 30 feet away from Payne Stewart when he made the putt to win the U.S. Open in 99. That was wow. the biggest one for me. Uh, but, no, I mean, yeah, I mean, hey, that's, that's one of the great things about doing what we do is you're um, you're around a lot of cool things. And uh, that was cool the other day with, with, uh, with Jake and, you know that's a that's a milestone of stuff, man. We and we've talked about it on the air several times, even with you, Matt, about how you know today's world of specialized pitching in today's you know college baseball. When you're when you're looking at the top league in America facing the top pitchers in America, and you start talking about that top ten list, you're talking about you know NCAA, and I'm not taking anything away from those guys. Yeah. When you start looking at some of the schools they play at, I mean, and I'm, uh, hey, I got no problems with some of those guys at all. They they, they deserve what they've got but to do this in the southeastern conference no in today's me. world where the bats are not hot is just an unbelievable feat it really is hey bart uh, roger's going to chat with you just a sec here we got a split for a commercial and if you've got time get you to hang around i'll throw yeah. a question or two at you um, absolutely okay we'll, we'll do that because bart if you're listening bart was there on the call for two of the three and might have even been present for all three games this weekend state sweeps georgia get a feel for kind of what it was like there and i got a bunch of your texts to get to and we'll get to that coming up here on the show live in the farm bureau studio on a monday stick around you're listening to the matt wyatt show Come on. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Crosby tweeted me and said that he was at the Mississippi State-Alabama basketball game when Jarvis Bernardo broke that SEC block shot record. He happened to be sitting in the third row under the basket when he made the block shot right in front of him. That's a pretty cool moment. Uh, well, it's a very cool moment. A lot of those coming in. You're going to get to some of your texts as well. But a guy on the phone, the Divinity Equipment phone, Divinity Equipment, Madison, and in Jackson, your Kubota dealer, who was uh, present this weekend when history was being made in Starkville, Mississippi State, not only swept Georgian baseball, but Jake Mangum finally captured the record. He broke Eddie Furnace's all-time hits record in the SEC. Jake's now number one and counting. Bart Gregory on your radio right now was on the call for two of the three games on the SEC+. And, Bart, I guess I'm putting you on the spot, but did you get to see um, some of the game on Saturday when Jake broke the record? The outfield. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, it was good to see him get it out of the way the first two at-bats. You know, because it left zero drama 
at all. <laughs> and that, that was a good thing. And, man, I tell you what, so many times, and we talked about it yesterday, about how, you know, you see a lot of players struggle leading up to a record because they put so much pressure on themselves. I mean, he was six for nine, you know, his first six for nine in the weekend. So, I mean, he uh, he came in, hit the ball well, and, you know, to, uh, to, to, to do that, I mean, it's, it's a monumental record. It's great. Um, it's great to do things like that when a team wins. And so uh, you're, uh, you're celebrating you know, the record and a big weekend overall from a team standpoint. Sure. What do you, what do you, what are your takeaways when you watch Jake Mangum play? Well, I think one of the biggest things is how he plays the game. Period. I mean, I, I don't, I don't think it's as much, you know, one you, you can really dial in about how he, how he hits the ball and he uses all fields, his spray charts off, off the chart. And so, I mean, he goes, you know, line to line. That's the great thing. He's got quick hands and quick hands for the right and left side. And so he can pull through anything if you try to pitch him inside. Of course, he's really good at going the other way. But uh, running out bases, I'd like to know how many of the 355 hits he's had on infield singles. Mm-hmm. And you think about all the time when you put a ball in play, and you're like, he's got no chance and he beats it out. Or beating out a double play, hustling every play. I mean, those are the things you remember. And you hate to say that that's, you know, that, that's something that's somewhat in the minority now, but it is. Um, you look around Major League Baseball, you look at college baseball, you have guys that don't, you know, go 120 miles an hour every every single play, and he does every play. And I think that's one of the things you really appreciate is, you know, how he plays the game. That's what the, that's what the breath of fresh air really is. Mark Gregory on your radio, what was the atmosphere like for the series this weekend in the stadium? I thought it was pretty good. I mean, you know, it wasn't, uh, wasn't crazy. Um, it was but good, solid. That's kind of what we've seen in every SEC series this year is, is good, solid crowds. And it, it was really good, um, especially on Saturday. Had great weather all weekend long. Had a little bit of a wind on Saturday. Had some wind on Friday night. But, uh, uh, yeah, it was good weather. I mean, just really good crowds. And um, You didn't have as much of an outfield crowd yesterday. Of course, you got finals going on right now. And, I, you know, I'm sure all the students that were not there yesterday were probably studying. And uh, especially for you know early afternoon game on a Sunday, so I'm sure they were up all night studying and getting ready for finals this week. But at the end of the day, yeah, it was a really good crowd, and you know the midweek crowds have been good. You know, I know a lot of that is you know new stadium, the team is playing in the top five right now. But I tell you what, man, it's uh, it's really changed the atmosphere uh, with the new stadium. It's been really good. So you look around uh, the league at kind of how things are shaping up. State and Arkansas sitting there a couple of games apart at the top of the West. Georgia's still in the mix over in the East, but Vandy kind of running the show there, playing like themselves. But you're seeing a sweep here, sweep there. Ole Miss swept A&M. State got swept, turns around, sweeps Georgia. Um, What's the – I mean, every team and every player wants to win every game they play, but the rest of the regular season, Bart, isn't it just? Isn't it for teams? It's about yes, trying to get hot, but to just get in position and make sure you're in a position to host in the postseason. Isn't that what these last three weeks are about? Or am I wrong? Well, I think you know you just don't want to hurt your chances. I mean, I think uh, you know those teams you talk about are are pretty solid right now, sitting in pretty good shape, and that's the 
that's the thing, and, and I think that's one of the reasons, probably. And I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm just kind of speculating here. I think that's one of the reasons you didn't see Emerson Hancock pitch this weekend for Georgia. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it does hurt you when you lose some games as far as the SEC race. But coming to Starkville, Mississippi, and playing three games over here is not going to hurt you from an RPI standpoint. If you want to rest your pitcher and get him ready for the stretch run, that may have been the weekend to do it. Right. And and so, um, yeah, trying to get ready to end on a pretty good note. You know, State goes on the road the next two weekends. You know, you play at A&M, then you play at Ole Miss. And so you've got the back-to-back tough places to play. You know, and, and State has not played that great on the road. Played okay, you know, down in Florida. Uh, probably should have played a little bit better that last day. Played okay at Tennessee and did not play well in Arkansas. And so now you go on the road, two, plus, two tough places to play. A&M's not an easy place to play. Of course, Ole Miss and Oxford's not, not an easy place to play either. So uh, you've done everything you can do to this point. The thing that's helped State this year is they have won all the games they're supposed to win. They, they have not lost a midweek game that could hurt you and you say, man, I tell you what, we wish we had that one back. You don't really have anything that jumps out at you in a big loss. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've only got you know, one or two midweek games left in the year. So you're not playing anybody left the rest of the year that's going to hurt you from an RPI standpoint. That's a positive thing. So I think everything kind of sets up right now for how the team's playing. You know, you've got A&M, Ole Miss, South Carolina left. You know, LSU's got Ole Miss, Arkansas, and Auburn. So, I mean, that's not an easy stretch of imagination at all. And so, you know, Arkansas, you know, with, uh, with Kentucky, LSU, and A&M. I mean, but that's the thing about it. You look around the league, everybody's going to have just about the same situation when you come down the stretch. You know, Ole Miss has got, you know, at LSU and then us and then at Tennessee. And so those are not going to be easy either. So, yeah. Um, yeah it's, a, it's a lot to play for here late in the year. Everybody's starting to jockey for these national seeds and these, and the host situations. That's the good thing. You look at the RPI, you know, uh, Warren Nolan had his win number five this morning. So, uh, and, and four of the top five are from the SEC, and that's uh, that's a pretty pretty crazy feat. So, Bart, that's it. Um, on the road for a couple of series. It's good. Good RPI teams on the road. Four home games remaining in the regular season. That's it. Memphis in a midweek, uh, a couple of weeks, and then the last series of the season, mid-May, you host South Carolina. So only four games left in the dude. So for, for y'all on campus and in the department, how soon will you begin to prepare and make plans for the postseason, including hosting at Duty Noble? When when does that process actually kind of start to kick into gear? January. Uh, uh-huh. I mean, in, in all in all seriousness, I mean, I think I think you have to go into it and and that I mean, it's an ongoing plan. I mean, you got to start thinking about you know, getting teams, you know, hotel rooms booked, and, and things of that nature, and, and that's December, January. And then, you know, the, just the actual putting everything together. I mean, that, that's, that's something that goes along the entire, entire year. So that's, uh, because when you get to this point of the year, everybody, you played sports all year, all year long. I mean, this is, this is the grind portion of our schedule overall from an athletic standpoint. And so the last thing you want to be doing is putting things together at the very end. So I think that's the great thing about hosting so many regionals and doing so many things in years past and kind of knowing what you're doing. Uh, is, is you, you kind of know what things to take care of early. So, yeah, the, it, it's not a situation where you get the last two weeks of the season and all of a sudden you got to start preparing. Um, yeah, everything's kind of sitting on go. And, yeah. uh, you know, graphic, graphics are all, all you got to do is hit the send button for the graphics and you're ready to roll. So, cool. <laughs> anyway, that's the good thing about it. Right. Bart, thank you, buddy. 
I appreciate it, Matt. And next time, I promise you, I'll answer the phone call. <laughs> you and Tim Tebow, man, y'all are so hard to get a hold of. <laughs> yeah, but I'll ride the elevator with you, man. <laughs> <laughs> he sure will. That's Bart Gregory on a Monday. Y'all stick around. Back on the show, I'm Matt, live in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. Call me, 995-1059, 995-1059. Moose Dog texted the show and said, how many hits does Antoine Duplantis have? He's the kid at LSU who's right behind Jake. He's in the 320s somewhere. Moose Dog. So he needs about 30 more hits or so to get up to where Furnace is now number two. No? Is that right? Yeah. And then, you know, he'll need 30-plus and counting to try to keep pace with Jake, but uh, still a little bit ways back there. Heck of a player, though. Heck of a hitter. Brooks in Lafayette texted the show and said that he was on the sidelines as an 11-year-old. When we held Florida to 30-plus rushing, negative 30, that's right, to negative 30 rushing yards in a win over top five or ten team. Rushed the field afterwards with his dad. An Ole Miss guy who actually enjoyed himself. That was in the 2000 season. Yeah, that was the third and 57 game when State had Steve Spurrier in the Florida offense backed up to third and third and 57. Today. Yeah, here comes the train. About 15 minutes early. <laughs> We got them on the clock. We're going to figure them out. <clears throat> um, somebody texted from Kosciuszko and said they were there when Sleepy Robinson beat Florida in Starkville. Shane Matthews had the Heisman wrapped up. I've gotten to know um, Shane Matthews over the years. Good guy. Good guy. I'll tell you, he had a... He had a Spot of trouble last year, though he got into this investment deal with a former teammate who was out here running some scam. It turned out to be a scam and got caught. And Shane, because he was an investor in it, kind of got looped into the whole thing. But it was a scary moment for them. He's fine. Uh, yeah, you got to be careful who you trust. You must be careful who you trust. Uh, I wanted to give you a quick PSA on something. This is not sports related so first let me tell you that we're going to talk to somebody in about 15 minutes or so from now who covered the nfl draft in nashville as a media member he was there so it was the most attended and most watched draft in recent years maybe ever in terms of watch but i know it was the most attended so it was kind of a madhouse and so we'll get an idea from our guest on the Divinity phone coming up in about 15 minutes of what it was like there. Was it really a madhouse as it appeared to be? And what it was like to see a bunch of Mississippians. Well, you had three Mississippi State players go in the first round. And then you had 
another Bulldog taken in the second round, and, and also two Ole Miss players that got drafted in the second round, and then some other players in the subsequent ones, but we'll talk about some of that. So that's coming, little draft recap. And as I promised earlier, I'm going to tell you something I tried on Twitter that I'm doing a little bit of an experiment with, and I suggest you try it too. Let's see what you think. I'll tell you what all that is. No, um, if you listen to this show, you probably know by now that last week was pretty out of uh, whack in terms of the normal schedule and that kind of thing for me hosting the show. And it's because at the beginning of last week, things got really kind of thrown up in the air because my mother, who lives over in Alabama, had a health scare. And what that was is related to diabetes. Uh, She found out basically the hard way that she is diabetic And now I know that diabetes is a disease that affects so many people. And you've got the different types, type 1, type 2, and, you know, different age groups, you know, causes and things can be different and and, and vary. So, but it's just big and broad. The whole thing is, and I guess it is considered a disease. But, you know, a couple details for her. This Again, this is not like you know, telling a story to reach out for sympathy. This is, everything's okay right now, but telling a story because, you know, it could help you. What anybody would not want is to find themselves in the same situation that my mother was in. And that is, she's um, in her early to mid-60s and has always been very healthy. Uh, No major health issues over the years. Um. As far as I, you know, if she's ever had even a sip of alcohol, I don't know it. Uh, Never been a smoker, nothing like that. Only minor issues. And um, about three weeks ago, unbeknownst to a lot of us, because she just kind of takes care of herself and she doesn't say a whole lot unless something's really wrong, um, she developed a, a health issue that had to be taken care of with an antibiotic and and that gave her about a week of kind of feeling really bad, feeling sick. And so she didn't feel like eating a lot. And again, at 64, you know, the diet's very important. So she hit a spell where something made her sick and she didn't eat a lot. And then that led to another week of doing the same thing, not really feeling great, not really eating a lot. Well, that's the way it would be described. What it was in reality was almost not eating anything other than some, you know, protein shakes and that kind of thing here or there that she could keep down. So the lack of food then kind of exposed a problem. The fact that now looking back on it, doctors are saying that she was probably diabetic for a long time and just didn't quite realize it. So I I tell you that to say what happened was it snuck up on her. It stuck up on our family. My sister lives in the same town, but that's the only close family member there. Um, Saturday of Easter weekend, I got a text from my sister that said, have you talked to mom today? Something that's not right. And so I picked up the phone real quick and called her. And in talking to her, I could tell her speech was different. She didn't sound like herself. Her speech was much different. It was slow. It was slurry. Uh, it was weak. But she was able to you know, mentally connect with what we were saying, but she didn't sound like herself. And I was very worried. I talked to my sister again, and she said, yeah, I'm, I'm keeping a close eye, but if something doesn't happen real quick, I'm going to take her to uh, 
you know, like the emergency clinic, which she did the very next day, actually on uh, Sunday of Easter weekend, took my mother there. And so at this clinic, they told her, you're diabetic and your blood sugar is up over 400. But rather than seeing all these signs, she's wobbly when she walks and not speaking normally. They gave her a couple of prescriptions and sent her home which was a huge mistake. It was a miss. It was, it was mistreated because the very next day on Monday, one week ago today, my sister had to rush her to the emergency room. Um, barely coherent, not able to really to walk. And when they checked her in, her blood sugar uh, level was over 1000 for reference. 100 is pretty normal. Hers was over 1,000. She was um, so deep into something called ketoacidosis, where your body is now malfunctioning and not using sugar, and now you have your bloodstream is acidic and thick. Um, She was so deep into ketoacidosis that she was basically minutes away from going into a coma. She was in the emergency room immediately on, you know, multiple IVs, fluids, and insulin, and then into ICU in a pretty dangerous situation for several, several days last week. And because of the care, because of the IVs, because of the diagnosis and the insulin, has been able to now, you know, get out of the ICU, uh, manage a, you know, a hospital stay after that, and now back home and, you know, uh, managing her blood sugar, checking it all throughout the day, managing what she eats and giving herself doses of insulin. And she's able to do that. And now she's at home and recovering it, but she still weak and, you know, but kind of coming out of it. You know, I tell you that story to, to say, this is the first time for me in my life that I've had any kind of encounter with an immediate family member with, you know, full on diabetes because of the way it happened. It was pretty scary. Um, Really scary, in fact. Her doctor in the ICU told us that she was the oldest patient he had ever treated that had gone into this ketoacidosis um, phase, that normally it was young people who had type 1. She's older with type 2. And he said that actually most people her age, he said 9 out of 10 people her age that go into that level of ketoacidosis don't actually survive. 9 out of 10. So what's the, the message I'm giving you? The message I'm giving you is it's kind of a wake-up call for me. I think for any of us who maybe our whole life we just eat and eat and do whatever we want, don't really pay attention and, and don't think about it, especially if you have a loved one who's an older person and anything were to happen that would cause them to not be able to eat or not want to eat for a long extended period of time, keep a very, very close eye on them and do not let it go and if at any point you have an elderly you know older not elderly but just older mother father aunt someone you know neighbor and all of a sudden their speech changes and it's not right or they're a little wobbly when they walk and can't hold on to things straight to the emergency room do not play with it and if you go to an prime ed clinic or something and they want to send you home don't listen to them 
because we we were cutting it close. If not for an emergency room visit one week ago today, could be a very different story. All right, hour number two coming up. Y'all stick around. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. 